much for that. All right, let's pray, and then we'll get into God's Word together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you that you have handed us a book that's filled with the spiritual truths we need for life, for faith, for godliness. We pray that as we continue through the life of Moses, that you would show us who you are, who we are, where you're leading us, how we get there. We pray especially today as we continue to focus on spiritual leadership, that, oh Lord, you would open our eyes to see, uh, open our ears to hear what you have to say about this important topic. And we pray that we would be blessed and unified and, and strengthened because you are working through us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, grab your Bibles and open up to the book of Numbers, chapter 16. Numbers, chapter 16. If you've been paying attention closely, you know that uh, in the Hebrew, the book of Numbers actually had a different name. What was the name? Do you remember? Wilderness. The book of Wilderness. Uh, These are hard times for Moses. These are hard times for the Israelites. This is a hard time to be a leader following God's will to... Begin a country and walk it through a desert for 40 years. Uh, You may be having a hard time at work, but you're not relocating a million complaining people. All right. So thank the Lord in heaven that your bad day is nothing like Moses's bad day. So spiritual leadership is the main topic, although there are plenty of subtopics that we will talk about. So in Numbers chapter 16, uh, last week, Aaron and Miriam, they rose up against their baby brother, and God gave Miriam what? Leprosy. To say, knock it off. This is the man I've chosen to lead, and I will not have division at the highest level. We don't know when this next story came about. It could have been close to the Moses, or the Aaron and Miriam thing. It could have been, it could have been years after. We're not quite sure. But there's still a heart among the people to rise up and turn against Moses. This time the rebellion comes from a different, from two different groups. In Numbers chapter 16, here's what it says. Now, Korah, the son of Izar, the son of Kohath, son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and An, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with a number of people uh, of Israel, 250 chiefs of the congregation, chosen from the assembly, well-known men. They assembled themselves against Moses together and Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far, for all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? When Moses heard it, he fell on his face, and he said to Korah and all his company, In the morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy, and will bring him near to him, the one whom he chooses he will bring near to him. So jot this down. The first thing, this is a repeat of previous weeks, but leaders must deal with problems in a godly manner. Spiritual leadership is the highlight. Moses is still dealing with problems and he's doing it in a godly manner. He falls on his face and he begins the process of dealing with another group of problematic people. This time, 250 chiefs have been assembled. They rose up. This insurgency was led by two tribes, the, Levi, the Levites and the Reubenites, and their neighbors. All right, so you got neighbors, their tents are by each other. And I think this took a while to build up. All the, the, the murmuring in the tent, and then the groaning, and then, and then, and then the complaining, and we didn't do something, and then the meetings, and then 250 chiefs all get together, and they make their stand. 
And they're going to tear Moses down. Get rid of him. We're going back to Egypt. This is over, right? Leaders have to deal with problems in a godly manner. Even Moses had problems and enemies. You will too. God allows trouble and pain into your life to shape you and grow you, especially if you're a leader. Their complaint was this. You exalted yourselves. You exalted yourselves. That's their complaint. In other words, we deserve to access God's holy presence just like you do. We deserve to wield authority just like you do. That's their complaint. Moses says, let's appear before God. Moses doesn't pull out his resume and start credential. You know, he doesn't say, who talked to the bush? Huh? Huh? Who stared Pharaoh down? He didn't point to himself. He immediately got on his face and he pointed up. And this is exactly what we need to do when we face big problems. The big question here that's being answered is, who is God and how can I approach him? They're saying, we have just as much right to go into God's presence and to speak for him as you do. Is that true? That's their challenge. They're rejecting the authority of God's leaders. You can write this down. The first sub-point here is don't reject God's authorized leaders. Don't reject God's authorized leaders. So let's read on and see what happens here. If you look at uh, verse 6, Moses says, Do this. Take censers Korah and all his company. Put fire in them and put incense on them before the Lord tomorrow. And the man whom the Lord chooses shall be holy, the holy one. You have gone too far, sons of Levi. And Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi, is it too small a thing that uh, is it too small a thing for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do service in the tabernacle of the Lord, to stand before the congregation to minister to them? And that he has brought you near to himself and all your brothers, the sons of Levi, with you? And would you seek the priesthood also? Therefore, it is against the Lord that you and all of your company have gathered together. What is Aaron that you grumble against him? A lot to unpack here. Here's the bottom line. Israel in and of itself was a holy nation. Holiness means set apart from sin, consecrated for God. When God called the nation out of Israel, he made them holy. He called them out of sin. He set them apart to himself. So they're right. We're all holy. Yeah, they're right. But that holiness did not give them permission to do what they are saying. Here's a picture of the tabernacle. The tabernacle is a tent that they set up in the middle of the wilderness. It was, it was worth millions of dollars, filled with gold. Uh, they built it. This was their building program. And this is the picture that we have used as the symbol for our building program, right? Building faith. They were building this tent. And this tent was a model of how we approach God's presence. There you see the entrance on the right. That's guarded by the Levites. The Levites were like the temple police, the security. So, you know, you couldn't just barge right in there. The priests now, they were in the outer court doing God's work, and they had authorization to offer sacrifices for people. Then, when you walk in the tabernacle in the center, the, uh, that golden portion, um, that's called the, the holy place. And the ordinary folks didn't go in there. That's the priests doing the work. And then in the inner, inner part... That's the Ark of the Covenant, right? See uh, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. How many of you from my generation have seen that? Anybody? Raiders of, you're ashamed to admit that you watch movies in church, aren't you? I didn't get saved until college, so that's my excuse. 
Uh, but, but there we are, Raiders of the Lost Ark. The Ark of the Covenant is in the Holy of Holies. That curtain was designed to not open. Okay? It didn't have a way to open. Here's the point. The whole tabernacle illustrates you can't come into God's presence. You can't. No one can. God let the high priest Aaron in one time a year. Okay. He went in one time a year to make a special offering of atonement, and then he had to get out of there. If he messed up, he's dead. And even that only, like, covered the sins of the people for a year. The whole message of the tabernacle is we can't enter God's holy presence. But he offered mediators to make it possible for man to dwell with God in this temporary set, uh, sense. Here's another picture of the tabernacle, a little bit more close up, you can see. And um, God's presence, his earthly presence, was there by the Ark of the Covenant. That was like his throne, and that he moved around with the people. So he's with us, but we can't, we're not authorized, we're not purified to come into his presence. The high priest is there on the right, Aaron, and he represented God before man and man before God. He went in and represented the people. Here's another picture, and what we have here is the high priest. And on his chest, Aaron would have the names of all the tribes of Israel. God designed this whole setup, even the costume, to show uh, that, that Aaron is the way, the mediator between me and you. Now, what's the deal with the Levites? The Levites uh, were not Aaron's descendants, which means they could not be priests. The Levites were like God's road crew. They set the tabernacle up. They packed it up. And then they carried it when it moved. They were also the security force. So how many of you, when we were at Stag High School, were on the road crew? Anybody, you get there early and you help set stuff up? All right. Now imagine if you're a Levite and you get to set the whole thing up, right? Curtains and the, and the basins and, and the tables. And then you had to leave because you're not allowed to go inside. And the priests could. Now that might start getting on your nerves. I was on the road crew at my last church. We showed up the first day we had to meet in a church off-site, and it was like uh, 100 below zero. I can't confirm that, but that's what it felt like. Here's a picture of road crew Ryan. Check that out. It was freezing, and we would get there 6.30 a.m. and set that up in the school. You like that hat? It's a warm hat. It's a warm hat. We'd set the whole thing up, tear it down, put it in the trailer. That's basically what the Levites did. So now that we see the Levites rising up and they're like, you've gone too far. We're just as holy as you. Who do you think you are that you can go in there and we can't? And Moses is saying, you want to try that out? You want to, you want to come into the Lord's presence and see if he accepts your priestly work too? So they're rejecting God's authorized leaders. This was a political uprising and this was a spiritual uprising. They wanted to kill Moses or remove him and come up with a new plan. You learn about human nature. This may surprise you. But back then, people who had power wanted a lot more of it. That may surprise you. We've come so far past that in our day. It wasn't enough. Moses is like, it's not enough that... You were, you were given the service in the tabernacle, and now you want to overthrow the priesthood too? This heart revolt represents ours too. right? I don't need anybody telling me how to live my life. I don't need anybody telling me that I can't go to God. I'll, I'll go to God on my own. I don't need a mediator. That's a heart revolt. When it comes to priesthood, 
Um, there's still priests around today. I was raised in the Catholic Church, so I know a lot about priesthood. There's the Orthodox Church. But what does it mean? What, why are priests around? You know, if, if God put Aaron in, in, in power, do we still need a priest today to kind of stand between us and God? Uh, the answer is yes, but it's not a human priest. It's a heavenly priest. So I just went to Ukraine a few weeks ago, right? We toured an Orthodox church. Here's a picture of me in Ukraine in front of an Orthodox church. Awesome place. There's, there's the Orthodox church. And we got to a beautiful building, very old. And when we went inside, here's what we saw. You walk inside to a wall, a beautiful golden wall with pictures of pretty spiritual looking people. But you walk inside and there is a wall with a door and you can't go back there. They still have this understanding that there is a holy place where God is and only the priests can go back there. Now, what we believe is we believe that Jesus came into the world to tear that wall down. Jesus came into the world to rip that curtain open. And it says in Hebrews 10, 19 to 22, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have, get this, a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What does this mean? This means that you still need a priest to get into God's holy presence, but his name is Jesus Christ. Listen, maybe like me, you were raised and you were told you need a long line of people helping you get into heaven. I mean, holy people. And if you don't talk to them, you're like, because like, they could get you in. That's false. There is only one name. One person who can get you safely into God's holy presence, and that is the great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. When you have Jesus as your priest in heaven, you don't need anyone else talking to God for you, all right? No one. You don't need anyone. Jesus is enough. And if you are trying to get other people lined up to get you favor in heaven, you don't believe in the truth about Jesus. When I was walking around Ukraine, there were all these tables set up. And I said, well, what are those? And they said, well, you can pay money to this saint or to that saint or to this article or to this artifact or to this image, and then that will get you a blessing. Why would they do that? Well, it's because they don't believe that Jesus can give them that blessing. So they're going to lesser people to try and get help. But that reveals a lack of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, God's authorized leaders in the Old Testament portrayed what he would set up in the new. And this idea of Aaron being a high priest, the only one who can go into God's presence for you, foreshadowed Jesus. You and I are not welcome in God's holy presence alone. We need a mediator, and Jesus is that mediator. Now, what about, what about these people who are rising up, the Reubenites and the Levites? Well, they're challenging that. They think they could just go in. So let's read on. Chapter 16, verse 12 says, And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and they said, We will not come up. They said, Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, that you must also make yourself a prince over us? Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you... Put out the eyes of these men, we will not come up. Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, Don't respect their offering. I've not taken a donkey from them, and I've not harmed one of them. 
So you have now, there's the group that's willing to come publicly and issue this giant challenge. 250 men, they're going to show up. Then there's the guys who won't come to the fight. We're not coming. We're not coming. We're staying right here in our tent. You can't make us come out. We're just going to stay right here. And then they're like, you didn't even bring us into the land. Now, were you here when Pastor Jeremy preached? Why did they not get into the land? Because the spies came back. And they were like, we can't do it. They're so tall, right? But they're blaming Moses now for not bringing them into the land. You fail. Man, I don't know how Moses is still doing this. I would have just put the staff down and walked away. I would have been like, I'm going back to Egypt. (laughs) Jot this down. Don't resent God's plan for your life. Don't reject God's authorized leaders. That's what they're doing. And now they're re- resenting God's plan for your life. What are we doing in this desert? Why has God led me here? How come we're going in this direction? They're resenting God's plan for their life. They're, listen, you might need to hear this. They're resenting God's plan for their life. And maybe you're right there. Maybe you're right there. Maybe you're, why am I in this marriage? Why, why do I have these children? How come this job is driving? And you're resenting God's plan for your life. What will you do? What will you do when God's plan is hard? What will you do when you would have written the story differently? Will you humble yourself or will your heart rise up against the Lord? Don't resent God's plan for your life. The Reubenites won't come up. They kept, they're smart. They kept their distance from Korah. Oh, we're not going to go that far. But they rejected God's plan for the country and the leaders. They're murmuring in their tents. And they won't repent of their private discord. So their complaint now is, you led us to our doom. No, your lack of faith led to your doom. So don't resent God's plan for your life. Now the whole challenge is set up. The whole challenge is set up. You appointed yourself. No, I didn't. God did. You led us to our doom. No, your lack of faith did that. But let's see how this plays out. Number two, spiritual leaders must be humble. We'll see Moses' example here, and we will see the negative example of uh, Korah's descendants, the Reubenites and the Levites. The reading on verse 16 says, And Moses said to Korah, Be present, you and all your company, before the Lord, you and they and Aaron, tomorrow. Let every one of you take his censer and put incense in it, and every one of you bring before the Lord his censer, 250 censers, you also and Aaron, each his censer. So... Every man took his censer and put fire in them and laid incense on them and stood at the entrance to the tent of the meeting with Moses and Aaron. It'd be a sight to behold, 250 men standing there. The censers are, if you were in the Catholic Church, you know this, but they have things that, you know, hang on chains and there's like fire and smoke coming out of them and it smells pretty, right? And, but this was an offering to the Lord that was supposed to appease the Lord so that he didn't judge the people and so that he accepted their offerings. This was a priestly duty. All right, Moses is like, all right, you all bring them. Then Korah assembled all the congregation against them at the entrance to the tent of the meeting, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. How does God feel about this? How does God feel about the leading chiefs of the men rising up, 250 of them, and saying, We don't want a high priest. We don't want a founder that God appointed. We're going to do it ourselves. He's about to consume the whole nation with fire. Bad leaders, bad leaders steering the country into harm's way. Moses and Aaron, verse 22, fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, 
Shall one man sin, and will you be angry with all the congregation? They're interceding. Godly leaders, godly leaders, humbling themselves, saving the country. Save the congregation, get away from the dwelling of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. So now they're like, okay, God says, I will save them, but get everyone away from them. Everyone step away. Show me that you are not with them. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram. Elders of Israel followed him, and he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart, please, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest you be swept away with all their sin. Imagine somebody just going to your house and being like, Neighbors, neighbors, step away from their house. Everyone, back up, please. Back up, please. So they got away from the dwelling of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents together with their wives, their sons, their little ones. And Moses said, Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works. Pay attention to what they'll know from this judgment. You'll know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, and that it has not been of my own accord. If these men die as all men die, or if they are visited by the fate of all mankind, then the Lord has not sent me. Moses is being humble. But if the Lord creates something new, and the ground opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into Sheol, then you shall know that these men have despised the Lord. As soon as he had finished speaking all these words... The ground under them split apart, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the people who belonged to Korah and all their goods. So they and all that belonged to them went down alive into shale, and the earth closed over them. Oh my goodness! There's an earthquake that just swallowed up all of them, and they perished from the midst of the assembly. And all Israel who were around them fled at their cry. Yeah, you think? For they said, the earth's going to swallow us up. While that was happening, verse 35, and fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men offering the incense. Wow! We learn so much about God and us right here. Spiritual leaders must be humble. Korah's followers rose up and said, we will perform our own priestly offerings, and it cost them their lives. The Reubenites rejected Moses' leadership wouldn't repent, and the earth swallowed them up. They were not humble leaders. What do we learn from this? Well, jot this down. We learn that spiritual authority comes from God. Spiritual leaders must be humble because spiritual authority comes from God. God gave Aaron and his descendants the authority. He did not give it to Korah's followers. God gave Moses the authority to lead the country. He did not give it to the Reubenites. It came from God. Moses talked about this. He said, God, God appointed me. God raised me up. God's the one who did this. They didn't understand that. God authorized Moses to write the first five books of the Bible, to be a spokesman for him to us. God authorized Aaron to, offer, to bring sacrifices. Spiritual leaders must be humble because our authority comes from heaven. Jesus knew this. In John 5, 22 to 24, here's what it says about Jesus, our great high priest. The Father judges no one, but he has given all judgment to the Son. That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Jesus knew his authority was given to him from the Father from heaven. 
How many of you have heard people say before, well, judge not lest you be judged. The Bible says judge not. How many of you have heard that before? The Bible says judge not. That's not all the Bible says. The Bible says all judgment has been given to the Son. Here you go. And he will judge. But he says, if you believe the truth about the Son, then whoever hears his word and believes him has eternal life. This is the way we get out of judgment. It's when we listen to the authorized messenger sent from heaven and honor the one who God sent. So spiritual leaders must be humble. Even Jesus talked about how his authority came from heaven. Spiritual leaders must be humble. Jot this down. Because God judges complaining and conspiring. These leaders, these chiefs of the men, were not humble. They rose up and God judged them. He judged their complaining and their conspiring. Korah, Dathan, Abiram steered the nation into harm's way. And sinful leaders can cause tremendous harm to God's people. And what a judgment they faced. The Reubenites, the ground started shaking. It opened up and swallowed them and everything they have and then closed back up over them. Wow. Chorus followed, 250 of them standing there with their fire, their fire. God, I'm just as good as Aaron. And then I've seen Indiana Jones. All right. The Raiders of the Lost Ark. When I was a child, I had nightmares about that scene. All right. Not make-believe. That is not make-believe. All right. That really happened to people who thought they can just barge into God's presence without mediation. The Levites were supposed to guard the tabernacle and prevent unauthorized people from entering God's holy presence. They failed. They barged in themselves and they brought 250 people who didn't belong there. They didn't have authorization. They didn't have mediation and it cost them their lives. This is a warning to us. This is a warning to us. This is a warning to us on earth because some sins lead to death. Some sins lead to death. There, there will come a time, if you're not a Christian, if you have not welcomed the Lord Jesus to be the Lord of your life, there will come a time when you get your last chance. This might be it. There will come a time when you get your last chance to invite Jesus to be the rightful ruler of your life, to repent of your sins, and then after that last chance, never again. Once we leave this world, there are no more chances after this life, only judgment. And God's judgment should prompt you to fear him greatly and to seek his favor. A judgment like this where the ground opens up, a judgment like this where 250 men are consumed by fire, it's intended to cause you to fear him. People don't like this kind of preaching today. They don't like the thought of a God who would do this to people, and that's why most in America don't fear God. Uh, they, don't, they don't fear God. They don't fear the consequences coming. They forget God flooded the earth. They forget God turned a volcano upside down on top of Sodom and Gomorrah. They intentionally forget that our God is a consuming fire. And I want everyone under my care to be warned that judgment is coming for sin. Maybe no one's ever told you this before. But God is a God of wrath. When you rise up against him, reject his authorized messengers, the ground will not open up under you. It's very rare that he would judge people on earth that way. But this is a portrait of what will soon happen to everyone who rejects the high priest of heaven. 
everything you are and you have and you own will be swallowed up forever. That's coming. That's coming sooner than you think. This might be your last chance. We're supposed to be warned. We're supposed to fear him greatly. God judges complaining and conspiring. When it comes to those who are standing in front of the altar, that represents anyone who thinks they're just going to walk into God's presence with no mediation. Oh yeah, God and I will have a talk. We'll have a long talk after I leave this life. I got a lot of questions for God after I'm just going to walk up to him and talk to him. Standing there holding my fire without proper mediation. And how did that end for these 250 men? Okay. Consumed by fire. So I don't know how you imagine things going when you leave this world. But if you think you're just going to march up and give God a piece of your mind, this is meant to warn us. That's the bad news. The bad news is that everyone who thinks they will stand before God alone with no authorized representation will be doomed. That's the bad news. But there is good news. Look at verse 43. In verse 43 it says, Moses and Aaron came to the front of the tent of meeting, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from the midst of this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. They fell on their faces. Moses said to Aaron... So they know that it's breaking out. Like, God's judging the country because of the wickedness of these leaders. Moses said to Aaron, Take your censer, put fire on it, from off the altar, lay incense on it, carry it quickly to the congregation, and make atonement for that. Moses, Aaron's in his 90s, okay? What makes a 90-year-old move fast? All right, people are dying. Carry it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. So Aaron took it as Moses said, ran into the midst of the assembly. Behold, the plague had already begun. This was so severe. People are dropping dead. And he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living and the plague was stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700 besides those who died in the affair of Korah. Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance of the tent of meeting when the plague was stopped. This, was a, this is a beautiful picture of how God saves us from the judgment that's coming. Aaron raced out there, held up an offering that was acceptable to the Lord as an authorized person, and he stood between the dead and the living. He stopped the judgment. This is a picture of what only Jesus Christ can do for you. That's it. Jot this down. God uses leaders to save sinners. God uses leaders to save sinners. Korah's offering invited God's wrath. Aaron's offering stopped God's wrath. Aaron interceded for the sins of the people, and his offering saved those condemned to die. We learned so much about humanity, and you need to know that the priesthood, the Old Testament Israel, was all one big object lesson to teach you about you. To teach you about you and to teach us about God. My sin, your sin, makes us unworthy to enter God's holy presence alone. But God appointed a high priest in heaven to bring me to his holy presence. Listen, what I'm sharing with you now is the best news you will ever hear in your entire life. The words that I'm saying right now are worth more than everything that's on sale on Amazon at this moment. I'm sharing with you something that I would pay a billion dollars if I forgot to learn it again. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Jesus Christ was sent from heaven to save sinners. 
He alone can make an offering that could stop the wrath of God from touching you. And the offering was not a fire or incense. The offering was himself. When he offered himself on the cross at Calvary, he turned away the wrath of God. And he alone stands between the living and the dead. You cannot just, I'm going to go into God's presence all by myself. No, you need a priest and there's only one who can get the job done. I was shocked because of my upbringing when I saw in the Catholic Church in the funerals, as they're bringing the casket out, of the, they throw some holy water on it. I was like, why do they do that? It's because they don't know where you're going. Maybe they missed the spot. In essence, good luck. After a lifetime of devotion and intercession and mediation, no earthly priest can get you into heaven. No earthly priest can do that. You need someone in heaven. And only the Lord Jesus can do that. Only he can save sinners. God's judgment is aimed at your sin and mine, but Jesus made an offering that turned away God's wrath. Which means the question of your life is, are you saved? Are you saved? The gospel is very simple. Jesus came from heaven as God's representative. He lived the perfect life, which means he alone is authorized to dwell with God forever. But he made an offering. He died on the cross, and there on the cross, he paid the penalty for your sins and mine. His death can substitute for your death. He was thrown into a tomb, and on the third day, God rose him up in victory. He now sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and he rules heaven. Heaven's his kingdom. He will rule that kingdom forever. And on Judgment Day, your book will be opened, and everything you've ever done will be read, and it's going to take a while. Nothing in your book will get you into heaven. And then there's another book, praise God, called The Lamb's Book of Life. And that book is open. And this is the book of everyone who's trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord. And if your name is in the book of the Lamb, you get to go to heaven. All you say is, I'm with him. That's it. I'm, I'm with him. That's it. I'm with You think you're going to give a speech? You think you're going to impress God? He knows your secrets. And everyone will know them soon enough. Could you share your story of when Jesus saved you in a sentence? Or maybe if you had five minutes, could you share your story with me? What would you say? I don't mean a story of when you went to church or gave an offering or completed a class. When has Jesus saved you? When have you repented of all of your sins? When were you born again? I can tell you my story. I was in a heavy metal band, freshman in college, and the bass player in my heavy metal band invited me to church. And I heard the gospel, realized I needed to repent. God saved me, repented, got baptized. I can tell you when it happened. Charles Spurgeon was a young man who was going to church during a blizzard. He ended up at the wrong church, and there was not even the pastor there. Some volunteer deacon was preaching, and he got saved. There were like five people in the room. C.S. Lewis, one of the brightest Christian thinkers of all time, was older, later in life, and he was sitting in the sidecar of his brother's motorcycle on the way to a zoo. And he had been up late at night talking with Tolkien. And, and cerebral people can appreciate this. He's just in the motorcycle like this. And he starts on the journey, and he's not a Christian, and he gets there, and it clicked. And he's saved. I don't know. What's your story? James Dobson was a boy talking to his mom. That's that. Maybe you were saved young. Maybe you were saved old. Do you have a story? Leaders must deal with problems in a godly manner. Spiritual leaders must be humble. 
Because God uses leaders to save sinners. And God's using me as a sinful leader right now to share the news that could change your life forever. Uh, You and I will soon stand before God in judgment. If you stand alone with no defense, with no authorized mediator, like the Reubenites, like the Levites, you will be doomed. God's warned you. But if you stand behind the high priest of heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, he will turn God's wrath away from you and you will be led into the promised land for eternity. That's the good news. Hey, I don't know why you haven't accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord yet. Uh, at, At least out of fear of God, it's time. At least out of fear that this could be your last chance, it's time. At best, though, better than that, what love. What love God has for a sinful people. What love that he would send his son to die an agonizing death for us on the cross. What love. That love should conquer your heart. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I'd like to give you a chance right now to ask Jesus to be your savior, just as so many have done in this church. Let's close our eyes, let's bow our hearts, and let's pray to the Lord. Father, what a story, what a warning you've given us throughout the Bible, stories of your judgment. We know, Father, in our hearts, we long for heaven to be empty of sin. We long for heaven to be perfect. And therefore, it is right and good and just that you punish the wicked. Lord, we long for that. But we have sin in our own hearts. And some here today have repented and received Jesus as Savior. Remind them of what great destruction Jesus has saved them from. Remind them, Lord, of what a terrible wrath that was coming and that Jesus turned that away. And may that fill us with so much love for our Savior. So much loyalty to our Savior. And we not have hearts that rise up against those you've appointed to lead us. But Father, there are some here today who have never asked Jesus to turn away your wrath. They've never asked Jesus to forgive their sins. They've never asked Jesus to be their high priest, the only one standing between them and God. And now's the time. Now's the time, Father. I give them a chance in their own hearts to pray, saying this, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. Forgive me for my heart is filled with sin. My computer is filled with a virus, so my heart is filled with sin, and I can't stop. Father, I pray that some right now would just be honest with you about their sin, that they would admit they're trapped, they're bound, they're enslaved, they're afraid, they're ashamed. You already know. May they be honest. But I pray that that would lead to a cry for help, the only one who can save them, the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as Aaron ran out and stopped the wrath of God, so Jesus came down. So may they pray, Jesus, save me. Jesus, be my high priest. Jesus, be the one who represents me to you in heaven. Jesus, take away my sins. Give me peace with God, promise of heaven, a new life because I know you. Forgive me completely. Father, I just pray that the simple prayer of faith right now would be transforming lives forever. Pray that people would be putting away the nonsense, fake sins, fruitless lives, and that they would truly humble themselves before the God who judges the wicked but saves the righteous. Thank you, Father, for the free gift of eternal life bought with the precious blood of Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would remind those who are calling out to you that you will never leave them, you will never forsake them. 
they're yours forever. Help us to walk with that hope and that joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand up and let's sing together.